Welcome back to the Buddhist Recovery Network podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Valentine. I'm excited to share this month's Buddhist Recovery Network Academy with everyone who could not make it to the live Dharma talk today. The title is Compassion, a Quivering of the Heart. I did want to let everyone know We will be taking a short break after this episode. We have the Buddhist Recovery Summit next weekend, or this weekend, and I will be recording those panels and talks to publish on the podcast, so it may take me a week or two to get all of those ready to release, so bear with me. Also, we are looking for people interested in helping with the podcast. We want to produce some some peer-focused episodes, as well as hosting more teachers for some original Dharma talks. So if you are a teacher or a peer and you have a talk or a topic you think would be great on the podcast, contact me at finding.valentine or finding.valentine at gmail.com. We would love to have ideas and volunteers. Uh, one one peer-focused topic that comes to my mind is how to start a new recovery meeting, or maybe an episode about all the different Buddhist recovery meetings out there, navigating challenges in Buddhist recovery leadership, how to guide a meditation in a meeting. Okay, I guess that's more than one idea. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'd love to get peers with these experiences to come on and discuss the wisdom they have, because I think this stuff would be really helpful for our communities. Um, Yeah, and if you're going to be at the summit, find me. I would love to chat. I'm Robin Smith, and here we are offering a new academy teaching, Compassion, the Quivering of the Heart by Kara Haney. I'd like to um, begin by bringing to mind every human being that makes up our worldwide community of listeners and to all of our collective efforts in to be in recovery. Thanks for being part of our sangha today. Uh, so if you've if you're joining us for the first time, uh, it's helpful just to uh, learn what our format is. So the format for the next half hour, um, we're going to begin with a short period of meditation, followed by 15 minute or so Dharma talk and ending with about 10 minutes uh, for Q&A uh, or reflection, depending on um, what this, um, what you bring to it. So we do encourage you throughout the program as questions arise to list them in the chat field, um, or if you prefer to save them to the Q&A session uh, at the end. Uh, So uh, each of our teachings, our, our teachers are bringing these teachings to us. They're practicing generosity in action And we're incredibly fortunate to have them, uh, especially to use to help us in our recovery efforts. 
So if you'd like to help support both our teachers and the ongoing efforts of the Buddhist Recovery Network Academy, we invite you to give Donna, whether on a one-time or a recurring basis. Um, and just be sure to indicate that your donation is for the Academy. And um, yeah, we thank you for that. And we also thank you for your presence here today. So let me tell you a little bit about um, Kara. Kara Haney has practiced meditation and studied Buddhism since 1993. With over 20 years in recovery, her background includes both Buddhist practice and the understanding of craving and 12-step recovery. Since 2013, she has assisted in starting Buddhist recovery groups within communities, addiction treatment facilities, and jails, and continues to be a foundational member and mentor for the Buddhist recovery community. Kara has empowered, was empowered to teach by Bob Stahl and was also trained to facilitate mindfulness and Buddhist meditation by Joanna Hardy and Vinnie Ferraro of the former Against the Stream Meditation Society. She teaches weekly Dharma groups, day-long retreats, and offers Dharma courses such as A Year to Live and Eightfold Path. She completed a 20-year career as a dental surgical assistant and currently enjoys living in Santa Cruz while working for her master's degree in social work. Thank you, Robin. Uh, it's nice to be here and I appreciate the invitation by Buddhist Recovery Network to practice with all of you. And so welcome to everybody that is here. And I just wanna take a moment to appreciate that, the effort and energy to come in this way and meet in this way to practice and to explore different themes in recovery and in our Buddhist practice. So here in America, in the United States, it's a three-day weekend. Sometimes those are often really busy, but wherever you are in the world, you know, it takes some effort, like I said, to come. And so just before we begin this meditation together, just inviting yourself to realize and recognize that you're inviting the body to be still. And if there's unresolved issues before you came in front of the computer today to just put it aside on a shelf, it could be there for you to pick up later. But to really offer this to yourself to practice for this short period of time that we will be. And so I invite you again to begin to feel the body as it's sitting in stillness, either on a chair or a cushion, supported by the earth, grounded here. And if you haven't already, you can close your eyes if that is accessible for you. And if it's not comfortable, just downcast the eyes to the floor or the table in front of you. And begin to invite relaxation, softening the muscles in the face, dropping the tongue from the roof of the mouth, softening your throat. Drop your shoulders down your back. Soften the chest, the belly, and continue to invite relaxation to this body organically. 
bringing the attention to the body, feeling embodied. You will notice that there is a slight movement in the body, the lifelong friend of the breath. The body is breathing. And so I invite you to rest the attention now on this breathing. Breathing in, know that you're breathing in. Breathing out, know that you're breathing out. If the mind is restless today, which there are days like this. You can count the breath to give the mind a concept, to settle the mind. And each time your attention wanders to a story, a thought, a memory, an emotion, it's totally okay. It's just what the mind does with friendliness, with kindness, notice that you went off on a story and bring the attention to this next breath, breathing in, breathing out. bringing the attention again. Each time the mind wanders, it is a practice. Mindfulness is an act of remembering. It doesn't matter if the mind begins to wander five times during the session or 5,000 times. What matters is each time that mindfulness is present and we notice that the mind has wandered and we come back to the breath. For just a few moments longer, practicing resting the attention with simply breathing in this present moment, observing the breath, feeling the breath.
And I'd like to invite you that while we've been sitting here for a few moments, then maybe during this practice period of settling in and bringing our attention to breathing in the body, maybe there's been reoccurring thinking that's asking for your attention, or there's a sharpness in the body physically, some level of unpleasant, or you might use the word uncomfortable or pain, something that's coming up. And so I invite you if that is present, regardless of where it is on the spectrum, it could be very subtle or very clear and apparent and screaming. <laughs> to turn towards this unpleasantness without needing to do anything, but just to observe it, to care for it, to open to it, and this is compassion. Noticing the sensations in your body as you extend this kindness to something that isn't exactly comfortable. Breathing in, breathing out. Allowing what is arising to be here and allowing it to pass away. Observing, not trying to control anything, just breathing and caring. In just a few moments, you will hear a sound of a bell to end this meditation together. When you hear the sound, you may gently begin to open your eyes. So welcome back and thank you for practicing this. Uh, you know, sometimes we think, oh, that was a short practice, but it was practice. And I really appreciate and bows to your practice, regardless if it's 10 minutes or an hour, it is still checking in with your own heart, with your own relationship to experience. So thank you. So today, uh, yes, continuing in what I threaded into the meditation just a little bit was this topic of compassion, karuna, is the Pali word for compassion. And 
in Pali, it literally is translated that it's experiencing a trembling or quivering of the heart in response to a being's pain. Don't know if any of you have experienced that. I, I have felt a felt sensation in my body when I meet my own pain or someone else's pain that very much does feel like a quiver, a shaking. It is very vulnerable and tender. And so oftentimes we are brought up with the idea that, and I'll use the word suffering, but suffering is in, in Pali again, in our Buddhist text, it's called dukkha. And so you can use the word suffering, you can use the word pain, you can use the word uncomfortable or unpleasant, but it's that sensation we all know as I bring in that word suffering, you have your top five things that you can probably come to mind right away. Maybe one of those things even arrived as a visitor during this meditation today. I know for me, I have scoliosis and sometimes when I sit, there's a physical sharpness that arises. And I used to call it just pain, I'd get frustrated, I'd be so identified with it. If only it wasn't there, I could have a good sit. And so I would suppress or push it away. And it was through practice that I was able to understand that this is one of my greatest teachers, this sharpness. And I stopped calling it pain. And I started identifying the different characteristics of it. Oh, it's warm, it's sharp, it's trembly, you know, it's vibrating. And then watching as it changes. And I began to soften around. And it's interesting, we are brought up with the idea that suffering or pain is somehow wrong, that it's to be avoided, that it is unbearable and should not be faced. And of course, we live in a society that accommodates our need to deny pain as best as we can. And this is the practice to actually bring our attention and our awareness to the whole thing to, you know, the pleasant and unpleasant. And when I do that with my practice, I bring in this warm curiosity. And so I talked about personally a physical pain, but sometimes if you've ever experienced when we have restless mind during our meditation, it can come very felt as frustrating and that can be suffering. The mind is continuing wanting to rehash and habitually react to some scenario that happened in the past and we want to resolve it. And it's, there's a, a sensation or a mood that's arising, how we're feeling frustrated about it. And that in that moment is a moment to see, ah, this is a moment of suffering. May I care about this moment, this suffering in this moment. And may I give myself what I need in this moment, which maybe is a pause, a breath, a check in and feel where do I feel this tension in the body and breathe there. So it's an intimate relationship. There is a, a teacher who's in the Zen tradition, Thich Nhat Hanh, many of you have likely heard of him, who considers compassion a verb. It's a doing, it's an action. 
And so it's something that we actually meet and observe the feeling sensation, which for those of us here who are a creative bunch of people who have this reactive mind that has habitual ways of moving in the world with longing and craving, addictions in various, various forms, it comes up sometimes as an urgency. You feel this urgency in, in your body. For me, it feels constricting in my diaphragm, in my throat. And so I bring this interest when that arises and I bring some friendliness to it. I give attention to it. And I notice, does it change? I notice what thoughts arise as I feel the sensations. Sometimes they can be identifying thoughts. Why do I always do that this way? What's wrong with me? Judgmental thoughts, criticism. And so rather than get hooked into that thought and down that rabbit hole, just notice thinking. And then again, bringing the attention back. Is this pleasant or unpleasant? Usually unpleasant, but not to do anything about it, just to feel it. And sometimes it can seem unbearable and it's often painful. And so that this is a practice similar to our other practices that we do. It's like learning an instrument. It's a regular ongoing daily practice. One of the things that I like to meet uh, when something's challenging is I will feel it arise or a thought that arises with a memory. Maybe it's an unresolved issue with somebody um, and it'll come up with judgments. And then I want to separate myself from the other person because I feel, you know, blame will come in or I feel they did me wrong. There's so many things the mind will do with rationalizing. And again, instead of getting caught into that story, which is so intoxifying, and to then notice thinking and to be like, oh, I see you. I feel you and I care about you. This is a moment of pain. This is a moment of suffering. This is a moment that is activating thoughts of separation, fear of being rejected or abandonment or whatever it is that arises for us individually. We have our, our again, our top 10 tunes that we identify with. And so we're learning how to understand and cultivate compassion in our heart. It's a realization and again, it's a practice. And the first step is being able to recognize, as the Buddha has taught us, you know, as in the Four Noble Truths, like to actually understand suffering. How does it arise and what is our relationship to it? And so we're understanding, we're recognizing and being open to, and to acknowledge that this sorrow, this pain, this suffering exists. And while I, while I appreciate it is, as many of you know, is we do this when we're on, you know, the formal practice of meditation, sitting on a chair or a cushion, turning into our own experience. And I know for me why that's beneficial is because it helps cultivate a 
a sense of confidence and tolerance for when I become activated or emotionally dysregulated because of discomfort or because of pain. And so I practice this relationship, this intimacy, and I practice the compassion in my formal meditation mindfulness practice. However, it doesn't end there. As many of us know, it is a seamless practice. When we get up from sitting, you know, the formal mindfulness meditation practice, we go into the world and we go into our relationships and our friends and our work. And this practice of mindfulness is something to cultivate that it's seamless. And what happens? We come into the world and there's so much going on. It's a very busy world out there. Sometimes I, I can really appreciate going on retreat and just like, ah, can I just stay here? <laughs> but that's not true for me as a lay person. I learn so much from each of the people I meet on my path. But in this world, we have things that are very painful. I can bring up what's just been going on in the United States this weekend. Again, was another mass shooting. And and terrorism, domestic terrorism, and, and it brings up fear, and it brings up anger and blame. And again, there's we can become activated of all the different things we wanna do to change how things are. And that is really important. And there is changes to be made, right? And we can, for those who, who are the people who wanna be the change makers and the advocates, we can do that. And the first thing though, is to come from responding and not reaction. To not come from a place where we're activated emotionally and emotionally dysregulated, but to come to a place where we feel that we are responding, we understand the hurt that's in, that we're holding in our heart. We're able to be open to it. So then we can then put, you know, radiate that care and compassion to all beings, not just ourselves, to all beings in the world, even to the people who cause harm, who are going through this world in delusion, who are hurting. That's advanced practice. And so we start with here, with our own heart. What are we, what we are doing in the compassion meditation as we continue to practice, and I do, I invite you and I can even challenge you to um, bring the compassion practice, even if it's just the beginning of your regular practice that you do in whatever form that is, to allow 10 or 15 minutes of that to be compassion, a form of a Brahma-vihara, a heart practice. And what it is, is it's trans transforming our relationship to this suffering, to this pain. I have a teacher uh, named Bob Stahl who says the word intimacy actually means into me I see. And so I, I give you that so that uh, may you see clearly what your relationship is with the suffering, the uncomfortableness, 
the pain that arises that we hold in this fathom long body from our history that you meet it with some kindness and some care. I'm going to pause because I'd like to um, check in and see if there's any questions regarding compassion practice and um, or comments. And so I'll look at over here on the computer and see if there's any questions here. I see a thank you and you're welcome. <laughs> um, so at this time we um, were happy to take questions and I just wanted to, I forgot to mention that um, if you would actually like to turn your camera on and present your questions, um, uh, face to face, uh, there should be a little icon, a raise your hand icon in the chat area, and you can press that, and I will, I will look to for raised hands. Um, and so, yeah, we invite, um, we invite everyone to bring what you have to the conversation. Um, and um, Kara, if, if if you would like for me to. Kick it, kick it off with a question. I can, I can do that. Um, I was, I'm not really sure whether you were ready for that, but um, thought I would just. All right, Robin. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, thinking about uh, this um, seamless mindfulness and this integration, how do we know when that's happening for us? Um, and even if that's speaking from you know personal experience. Uh, yeah, I think it's good to have a sense of when we can, I mean, we often know when we're making progress, but what are some, what are some things we can look for? Sure, thank you for the question. And so one of the, of course, being human beings, there's this striving and clinging of like, I want seamless practice of mindfulness at all times. I want ease now, I want it just always. And part of the practice for me that I have noticed is that seamlessness means such as when I leave my cushion and I go into the world and I'm bringing my mindfulness, I'm aware of the intentions, you know, the Buddha spoke about these eight folds and the eightfold path. What is my intention before I speak? What are my ethics? Am I harming people? Is this whatever I'm doing and acting in a certain way, is it something that is harmful? Is the intention to harm or not to harm? Uh, you know, bringing that attention that I'm doing, what I'm doing in the moment with my full attention. So in other words, like this, I can, I can give this example and maybe some of you can relate. Have you ever gotten into the car and you go to drive to the store and the mind is so like, it's on this sleepwalk, like co-pilot of just replaying a story again and again, that something that's either a fantasy or unresolved or whatever it is, right? It's, we're stuck in a story. You show up at the store and you don't know how the hell you got there. It's like you just somehow arrived at the store you don't remember turning, you don't remember putting on blinkers. It was because you were so consumed watching this movie, really. And so the seamless practice is um, whenever we're 
fully present in the moment. We feel the steering wheel, we're breathing, we're allowing ourselves to take in the sights of the, you know, the color of the sky and the cars in front of us and just being present with driving. You'll notice there'll be more spaciousness, a sense of openness, less constriction and tightness because we're able to be here. So that's how I know when I'm, when I'm more present and in the moment is because the body feels less tense. There's a sense of, uh, I also can remember things throughout the day. And I notice that my, there isn't a sense of urgency that's arising, this energetic urgency of trying to get things done to get to the next place. And it's almost like I'm grasping so hard because if only I get all this done, I can't wait to arrive wherever it is I think I'm going to go so I can relax. And it just keeps postponing myself from being right here. So seamless mindfulness to me is, again, with compassion, with care, knowing that we don't do it perfectly. But if we can have the moments where we're totally present here, in this breath, feeling my feet on the ground, making dinner, or feeling my hands on the steering wheel, driving the car, and recognizing when we are mindful. The moments where that is, I'm gonna use the word successful, that that is actually a thing, and let that imprint on your heart. Oftentimes what we let imprint in our heart is when it's not there. Damn it, I'm not doing it right. Dang it, if only I would have sat. It's too late now, my day's already screwed up. You know, so you can begin again and again, right now, take a breath, feel your body on the chair. And as I'm talking with you, Robin, I hope that answered part of your question. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you. Yes, very much so. We do have um, someone who's in our audience today named Chris, um, who would like to come live and ask you a question. Okay. Hi, Chris. Hi. Oh, make sure I'm in the thing there. How are you doing today? Hi, Chris. Thanks. Nice to see Hi. you. Nice to see you too. Um, so thank you. Actually, I think my question is just a, a riff and a springboard off of what you've already been talking about, which is, you know, holding that compassion in the midst of conflict, in the midst of needs, you know, a conflict, not just, you know, there's conflict arising when, you know, misunderstandings and there's also conflict that arises or difficulties that arise around boundary crossings and so you know kind of just also you know kind of maintaining or finding that sense of compassion in the midst of right so that's my question yeah so what I'm hearing you say is in the midst of conflict or maybe miscommunication or something that's unresolved with another person we'll say then how do we meet that with compassion yeah. So the, the, thank you for your question. And the first thing that I like to practice with is, uh, and as you ask this question, I'm like, ooh, conflict. It's so wonderful. <laughs> it's such a great teacher, right? And I never used to meet it at all that way when any, I was conflict avoidant and still can tend to want to run and react that way. Um, and so what happens is to remember that we're all learners in this life that we are human beings. And when I'm having a situation that's arisen where me and say you, say you and I are having a conversation and there's, a, there's not understanding. So then we can, we can pause for a moment 
and and I can be vulnerable and be like, you know, I'm feeling tight. I'm feeling uh, uncomfortable. I'm feeling like either I'm not hearing you or you're not hearing me. And what can we do about this? You know, maybe this isn't the right time for this conversation, but it's an important conversation. And what can we do to help each other meet each other to try to see each other's views? We may not agree, but at least so we can understand and respect each other. And so it's having those kind of conversations and that's hella vulnerable. <laughs> and so it, it course, it's, it's take it with your own sense of boundary of, of if, if it's a new person that you've never met, you may not, you know, speak in that way with the person. You can do that internally with yourself. Like, oh, I'm feeling really activated. This is uncomfortable. And you know, I need to step away. And you, we can tell the person like, this is interesting topic for me. And I'd like to re, uh, re, in, you know, um, meet this again. And, but right now is not the time. And so really respect what's happening for us. Cause it is always helpful to come from a place of response rather than reactivity. It helps our central nervous system. It helps so that we can feel, you know, safe and stable within ourselves that we're able to hold it with confidence of like, Hey, hi, I see you, you see me. Let's talk about this thing that we don't agree on. And each of us have different levels of what that is. So thank you for asking that question. And it's a practice, little steps, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Anyone else, um, thoughts that have come up? during the teaching you would like to share, even if there are not questions? Um, JD, would you like to turn your video on? I'm going to um, send you a little invite there. Hi, JD. How's that? I can hear you now. Hello. Great. Hey, uh, thanks for doing this today. I really appreciate it and very grateful. Um, my question is, um, I, I'm interested in your opinion, um, especially in the context of recovery and working within a sangha. Um, sometimes I have difficulty trying to parse out compassion and empathy and how that would matter. Um, just being in the company of my Sangha, which is a very small one. And uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Okay, so what I'm hearing is uh, when we're working with others in our Sangha, so that's an intimate group that you see on a regular basis. And being that we are human, there are humans that we definitely have that push our buttons, so to speak, right? Okay. All right. So I'm getting a nod of it. Okay. So That's right. Thank, thank you for asking that question. And uh, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. My, my original way of meeting uh, people who show me my edges is I would avoid them. Mm. <laughs> and that actually is not beneficial. We're here to learn from each other. And the, the, the beings that are, uh, 
are bringing up something such as unpleasant or irritation in me, those are my greatest teachers. Why is this bothering me when a person shows up in this way? Is it because their view is different than mine? Okay, am I attached to my view? Is it because their delivery seems harsh? Okay, is there a way that I can talk to them? Is it about how, you know, I don't know the closeness of the person that could be having a harsh delivery, but maybe I know them enough to say, hey, when you present in this way, this is my felt experience. Can I share that with you? And so again, it's this opening up to, that's the compassion. The compassion begins first with ourselves. So when, uh, you know, I see Jane at a meeting, I notice there's tightness in my chest and I want to avoid her. So I'm going to, in my own personal practice, start sending Jane some metta, but also start sending myself some metta is kindness. So sending myself some kindness and some care for what is arising that's uncomfortable. And then after I've done that for a period of time, then when I go into the situations where I'm meeting with Sangha members at like where we sit together to turn towards and start the very small practice of maybe welcoming Jane, like, hi, it's good to see you here tonight. And just practice with those small little steps of connection rather than separation. We don't know how people go through the world and what pain that they're carrying and where they are in the spectrum of delusion and aversion and greed, right? And so everybody is trying to do the best they can. And sometimes their harm spills out on us. And if it does, we can say something. Hey, when you did that, that hurt. And I just want to let you know. And we can, you know, send compassion for them. But definitely these, the individuals in our life that are, are showing us the edges are the ones that we actually need to move towards because it's through those edges that we rub that they smooth, right? Almost like a rock in a tumbler, it smooths and it polishes. And that's what happens. It, it's a purification process, almost like filtering water. We remove that dirt in our eyes and we can see clearly. Uh, so I hope I answered your question, JD. And, it, and again, oftentimes, especially us, I love our creative, like greater Sangha of people who are in recovery. We, we have great intentions of like, I just want it to be okay. And I want things, and I'm not saying this is what you said in your question or even your comment, but I want it to be resolved and I don't want this issue. And yet we're all here learning from each other and we come with whatever we have. And so let's see if we can meet each other as we authentically are to the best of their ability in that moment and where I am in that moment. And to remember to just keep turning towards, keep opening up with boundaries, but also with curiosity, right? So. Yeah, very well. Thank you so much. That was uh, very helpful. And I especially appreciate your, um, your solicitation of where in your body you're feeling certain, certain, um, I don't want to say stimulus, but where, where, where in your body you're feeling your own reaction. And then the, also the, um, what you're picking up from the other person. So that's very helpful. Thank you. Thank you, JD, for asking the question. And yes, I'll always 
reframe it back to where do we feel it in our own body because it's the sensations that the phenomena that meets our sense doors of our body that's in this real-time moment and then it takes us out of those perpetuation of stories that we identify with so uh, yeah thank you for that question so we've we've reached time i think um i don't see any more questions in the mix um so maybe it's a good um a good place to yeah um wrap up um robin yeah. can i end with sharing a poem and then we can just close absolutely yes okay all right so i want to share this poem because the first time i heard it it allowed me to show up authentically as I am and that I'm okay. Even if I show up with pain or messy or not put together, that that's welcome here. Everything's welcome here. So this is a poem by a um, British writer who was born in Kenya, a poet. And this is Warson Shire. First thought after seeing you smile. Come with every wound and every person you've ever loved, every lie you ever told, and whatever it is that keeps you up at night. Every mouth you've ever punched in, all the blood you've ever tasted, come with every enemy you've ever made and all the family you've ever buried, and every dirty thing you've ever done, every drink that burns your throat, and every morning you've woken with nothing and no one, Come with all your loss, your regrets, sins, memories, blackouts, secrets. Come with all the rot in your mouth and that voice like needle hitting record. Come with your kind eyes and weeping knuckles. Come with all your shame. Come with your swollen heart. I've never seen anything more beautiful than you. Thanks everyone for listening. Again, if you have any comments or questions or ideas for the podcast or events you'd like announced, email me at findingperiodvalentine at gmail.com.